Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, Virginia Tech fans, and welcome into episode 130 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Today we'll be talking about Virginia Tech football recruiting, plus all the latest on whether or not football will be played this fall. It's all coming up next on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, TSL founder and general manager, Will Stewart. And yes, I'm reading from a script. Thank you. I've got with me TSL managing editor, Chris Coleman, and working behind the scenes to run the whole show is producer, Malcolm Stewart. Our regular host, Evan Hughes, as amazing as this sounds, is actually calling play-by-play for a baseball team this summer. The St. Cloud Rocks of the Northwoods League, which is a collegiate summer baseball league. So I got a little confused last night when I was preparing for the show because I can be clueless about a lot of things. But I was thinking, didn't minor league baseball cancel everything? And they did. And, and that, that put a lot of people out of work. But no, Evan, Evan uh, works calling play-by-play for a collegiate summer baseball league who is, uh, I guess they started in early July. Uh-huh. Um, and I think their schedule is going to run through. This is kind of interesting. The schedule runs through like al- almost up until school starts here at Tech. So he's going to be doing his thing. Up there in Minnesota. Fly back and immediately start school. Yeah, like yeah. two days later, yep. you know, which is not good for us because we need a podcast host, <laughs> you know. So we got, you know, we had Nick Brown fill in for us one time, and uh, I hit Nick up, and of course, Nick is on vacation for the next two weeks. Right. I complain about this every July. Every July, I'm like, I'm working. Nobody else is. Well, now, you were on vacation last now, week. No, the irony of that is I was on vacation last week. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. We were at the Outer Banks, and yes, we practiced social distancing and ate in every night instead of going out didn't shop a whole lot wore masks and the whole deal and had a really good time so uh, whether you're watching live on facebook archived on youtube or uh, on apple podcasts or soundcloud or wherever you consume the tech sideline podcast we're glad you could be with us today as we record on tuesday july 14th 2020 right i got the date right uh, yes, that sir. is happy Bastille Day to France and happy birthday to my sister. <laughs> I've been to Paris for Bastille Day. Oh, yeah. It Does it a, get wild? It got wild. My gosh, yeah. it got wild around my neighborhood on July 4th. I got bottle rocket <laughs> stuff all over my yard. My wife is like, you better clean the yard up before you mow. And I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah, my cat was legitimately freaked out. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's my sister Julia's birthday today. So I always wish her a happy Bastille Day every July 14th. <laughs> I'm clever like that. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about football recruiting commitments the Hokies have received since our last podcast. Our last podcast was way back on June 9th. So there have been five commitments since then. And help me out here. Was there a decommitment? Was Tyus Martin 
Uh, yeah, Tyus Martin. Uh, was Neville in there, or did he commit? Decommit yeah, before I don't, June? I don't remember. We don't talk about decommits. Yeah, you know. yeah, there's, there's just so many of them <laughs> yeah. this year. Plus, the big question: Will college football be played this fall? Chris and I are going to answer that. <laughs> We're going to tell you the answer. <laughs> All those Power Five commissioners are waiting for us to hand down the uh, the decree. Uh, so uh, I remind you each and every show, the Tech Sideline Podcast is sponsored by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. Whether you're charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realized that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031. I have memorized the phone number or just email info at fisherlegal.com. Uh, Jonathan Fisher, 1998, Virginia Tech grad. So uh, that said, let's launch right into it. Uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about recruiting probably. Well, let's talk about my grit hat first. Oh, we got to talk about the grit okay, hat. Yeah. So cut the camera over to uh, Chris right, so and I've, tell I've us about the grit hat. Like Fuente, Ben Hilgert, a lot of the coaching staff, they got specially made grit hats by nike because grit is the new slogan of the program probably even more so than hard smart tough now uh and i want one of these hats badly but i think they're only made for the coaching staff they're not in stores i swear i would buy 10 of them if they put them in stores uh so where'd that one come from oh a tsl you- subscriber who's in the distribution business uh actually i guess he read my tweets and my posts about uh how i really really wanted a grit hat um it's not the real thing, but he got a couple of them uh, made up for me. And oh, so and for the audio it. people, Chris is wearing a hat that says "grit" in really yeah, big letters yeah, across yeah, the front. Great. Yeah. So he sent me a couple hats. Uh, one right there in maroon, and this one in orange. Uh, also sent me about ten face masks and face coverings and three bottles of hand sanitizer. Do they say grit on them? They don't say grit. <laughs> is there any grit in no, the if, hand sanitizer? No. If there was, if there was a grit <laughs> on the face covering, I'd be wearing that face covering. All the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I don't have any cool face coverings no. yet. Like like uh, I mean, I have my Virginia Tech Etsy <laughs> mask. The original I don't even one, have that. I've just got yeah. generic generic colors. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so appreciate the grit hat. Um, wish Virginia Tech would sell them. I think they'd sell well. Well, but. it's not like it's trademarked. I wish Tech Sideline would sell them, you know, and mm. I know the questions are going to come, but uh, I don't know. We don't have enough personnel to, to chase little projects like that, which are fun. Well, maybe we will this football season. We might have lots of time this fall. <laughs> <laughs> and we made many ways to generate revenue as well, so we'll see about that. Uh. Uh, so here's a fun game for the people on Facebook or anybody who's anywhere watching this. Um Give us an acronym for GRIT. I don't think GRIT has an acronym. I think, uh, you know, I think they're actually talking about actual GRIT. So it's not like it stands for anything. So so toss some uh, uh, GRIT yeah, acronyms into the Facebook feed. Nothing vulgar. We will not repeat it on the air. But uh, I'm, I'm usually pretty clever about stuff like that. But I'm busy hosting a show. So I can't, I can't dive in there. All right. So you ready to launch into recruiting? Ready. Okay. So here's how this is going to go. Um, I'm going to go down the list of guys that have committed, and Chris is going to talk a lot about them. Um, he's way more on top of this stuff than I am. Now, Jason Stame, of course, would be on top of it, but uh, and, and the little light bulb just went off. We need to have Jason on the uh, podcast. Yeah, we should. All right, so since our last podcast on June 9th, here are the commitments. Quarterback Taj Bullock on June 17th. Uh, Kelly Lawson, who's an athlete, yeah. Uh, we can discuss where you see him playing on June 18th, the day after that. And three days after that, Sean Asbury, the second, if you want to add the two, Yep. on June 21st. Then DJ Harvey out of California on July 6th. 
and we're going to pronounce it Isi Atute on July 11th. So yeah, fairly recent. Today's 14th, so that was three days ago. All right, so let's launch right into it. Taj Bullock, quarterback, 6'4", 223, St. Peter's Prep, Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, 247 composite ratings, currently the uh, number 19 dual threat quarterback in the country. Number 15 in player overall in New Jersey. You know, and let's let's throw the generic reminder out there that the rankings this year, I mean, they're, they're going to be all over the place. How, you know, how do you evaluate players when there's no evaluation period? So, and you've seen the different recruiting sites. They all have different ways of doing them. Like ESPN ranks their guys early. Uh, I think in a lot of ways their scouting reports and their rankings are more accurate than the actual recruiting sites but their issue is like if a guy has a good senior year they've already done their evaluations at that point maybe that guy's not appropriately appropriately ranked yeah they they, they don't they start off well but they don't necessarily close well as far as signing day uh 247 i think they update their rankings more often um rivals right now is kind of in a big holding point i don't think they've updated their rankings in a while i I think they're trying to figure out when do we do it and how do we do it because nobody's evaluated these guys um it's all kind of guesswork so you'll see a lot of guys like their in-state rankings between 247 and and rivals will be wildly different wildly different right now and they might be more similar towards the end of the process once these guys play their senior seasons if they play their senior yeah. seasons. so the whole reason i bring that up because we've talked about that before um if, if you've been around us you've heard us say this but the whole reason i bring it up is i'm going to give their rankings sure and the rankings i'm going to give are the 247 composites mm-hmm. and you know kind of take that with a grain of salt because one of the things chris and i will talk about is that uh I like all. I like a lot of these guys. I think, yeah. for the most part, they're really developmental guys. I don't see guys landing and and playing early. Maybe they'll surprise us. Yeah, um, oh, I, would, I agree. They're they're long term. They're high ceiling guys in my I, opinion. I really with the right, so. if yeah. they stay healthy with the right weight room work, and if they stay here in the age of the transfer portal, right? And so if anyway. they redshirt, <laughs> ABR always be redshirting. So uh, let's see. So Bullock was offered his scholarship by Tech on May twenty first, mm-hmm. and that was shortly after. The uh, Demetrius Davis decommitment. I remember Davis decommitted, and they offered uh, Lucas Conley. Was that his name? Yeah, the Houston kid, right? Yeah, like like within hours. Yeah, it was not within not hours. the day after, within hours. Yeah, and then I think Bullock was about like a, a week, week later. A week later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think they they like both those guys, and they kind of they threw them both an offer just to just see, see who who bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I I think very. It became obvious very quickly that the Bullock was the guy who was more likely to sign with Tech. Yeah. So they went all in on him. And I see, you know, do you think the six four six four is legit? If if it's not, he's no shorter than six three. Was he the one who was listed as six three in one place and six five in another, or was that Matthias Carroll? That was Matthias Carroll. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Bullock's not a small guy. The thing about Demetrius Davis is clearly really talented quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't a, a big guy. He wasn't a tall guy. Right. I thought he was a big guy. He was a stocky guy. I wasn't really worried. I'm not really worried about his, his durability. But that said, you got to like when you're going to run a lot of read option and, and get your quarterback involved in the run game, I like a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. He looks like a guy who, when he's at his peak in the program and the strength and conditioning after a couple of years at Tech, he'll be very similar physically to Gerard Evans. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's how he strikes me from a size standpoint. He's a guy who will be able to push the pile 
get you tough yardage. Uh, looks athletic enough to break off some big runs too. Uh, but you know, he's also got some shifty moves. I thought the, the one where he broke that uh, that linebacker's ankles was was particularly impressive and that's a good league he plays in that that, that new jersey league uh those private schools i've always been impressed w- with that league uh just a plenty of talent there but you know a lot of really smart kids too uh disciplined guys yeah um guys that uh i think are good fits for for tech's program yeah um so i, I was i was happy about that uh he's a guy who has only started one year he didn't start until he was a junior in high school the guy he was behind ended up signing for navy um, and, and Bullock said something, I, I, you know, in, in looking over articles, I might be getting guys confused, but I think it was Bullock who said something about his expectation for coming in. He said, you know, I sat my first couple of years in high school. Yeah. Um, um, implying yeah, that, that, that he knows how to be patient and work and wait. And, and that's these days, I, I feel like uh, a lot of people believe, like, if you're not a star in high school early, like by your sophomore year or something like that, then you kind of get lost in the shuffle to a certain extent because in my opinion rankings are done way too early yep, yep. these days uh, i got i'm doing the 1995 series right now the last article of which will be coming out today but if you recall jim Druckenmiller was a guy who did not break into the starting lineup in high school until late in his junior year i think he started his junior year like third string quarterback and like the two guys ahead of him got hurt or maybe he was the number two and just the number one guy got hurt but he ended up you know he was a backup until late in his high school career and then started as a senior and then went to fork union and then came to virginia tech and redshirted and then sat two years behind maurice DeShazo. yeah and uh you know so it's, it's nothing wrong with being a late bloomer at all especially and, and, when you're sitting behind a division one guy like he was and and i think we've talked about this on the uh podcast before um Let's see. Druckenmiller turned twenty four in September of his senior year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as as you in doing the nineteen ninety five series, you discovered nineteen ninety five was his junior year, redshirt junior year. He really wasn't all that good. Not the first half of the season he yeah. was, and he was much better late in the second half of the season. But the first half of the season, well, actually, the whole offense wasn't good the first half yeah. of the season. Yeah. But a lot of it was him. He's throwing a lot of picks and things yeah. like that. And then his uh, – I don't remember the details of his senior year. I just remember by the end of his senior year. I thought – not not to go on a tangent here because we're talking about recruiting, <laughs> but I thought his performance in the 96 Orange Bowl is one of the best single-game performances I've ever seen. If he had had his player. 95 receivers in 1996. I mean, Virginia Tech lost that Orange Bowl by 20, but that might have been a 41-41 to 41 overtime game yeah. if, uh, if he had had his receivers – from the year before, if he had Brian Still and Jermaine Holmes, because I, I, what I remember about that game is the receivers just dropping so many passes. I think they dropped ten passes, and a lot of them were big plays down the field too. And and I just remember watching him and going, man, I'm nervous as heck playing. Watching them play Nebraska, he didn't look nervous at all. Oh, I remember him running the option to the right and getting like twenty yards down the field past the line of scrimmage, and then pitching it to Oxendine. Wow, for for a big run, yeah, it was quite a game. Man, well, anyway, you know, if there's no football this fall, you can do a reliving. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> I have to skip over the Syracuse game. But yeah, year. Bullock, a little bit raw right now, but good long term potential. Yeah. Uh, sharp guy mentally, uh, high IQ guy, disciplined guy. You know, I, I very much see him as a guy who can be developed. Um, he's, he's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's like Quincy Patterson from a physical standpoint. Uh, He's impressive physically, but like he's not like 
if he got off the bus, if him and Quincy got off the bus, you'd notice Quincy first, right? right. Uh, but I do think he's a little he's a little bit ahead of where Quincy. Well, he's a decent amount ahead of where uh, Quincy was as a quarterback at the same stage, and and, and he plays better competition. There's always the disclaimer: we will call him Seth occasionally. Seth Bullock, <laughs> yeah, famous Marshall Deadwood yeah. character. Chris and I were big Deadwood yeah. fans back in the day. Yep. All right, so next was uh, K E L I. We're going to pronounce it Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Lawson, six uh, four, two hundred, out of Sharando High School in Stevens City, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm ignorant of a lot of the state's geography. Where is Stevens City, Virginia? What part of the That's state? That's where uh, Dylan Rivers went. So mm-hmm. I think isn't it up in the. Up towards northern Virginia, uh, north uh, northwest, maybe like the upper edges of the Shenandoah. Maybe I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you. Yeah. I th- but I think it's up there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's not like Nova, but it's like j- it's just to the west okay. a little bit. Um, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. I'm sure somebody on Facebook. Yeah, will he's abuse us. This is a this is a strange uh, strange year, obviously, with no evaluation period. Lawson is a guy who I believe only played four games last year as right. a junior. He's one of those guys. Uh, I think. Got. Came back late and looked really good late. Isn't he the one who has a bizarrely long highlight film despite only playing? Four yeah, games? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that, that, I think that's that's an accurate statement. Uh, him and Sean Asbury, who who we'll get to later. Actually, yeah. I think it's Asbury that you're talking about. Okay, but anyway, he's similar story. Yeah, one of them has a really uh, impressive yeah. film, even though he played right, four right. games. So Lawson's one of those guys. There's limited. You have limited evidence, yeah. and also with the lack of evaluation period, it's not like Virginia Tech could go up there and see him during the spring or invite him to a camp where they could see him in person. So that's probably the highest risk offer of this class for Virginia Tech. Now, now was he, was he, again, I, I researched five guys last night and I can't remember the details on all of them. Was he one or was it Asbury that was offered very recently and took it? Uh, the both. They were both offered. Yeah. So I, I think Lawson and Asbury were probably guys that maybe they would have wanted to see in camp. That's probably accurate. In, in a normal uh, year. But, but you, you get to the point this year and you're like, I'm just not going to get a chance to evaluate right. them. It becomes clear that you're not. And you've got to offer somebody. Yeah. Right? I mean, everybody's in the same boat as far as that goes. Yeah. Um, but but now, to their credit, that they picked a guy who he's tall, he's rangy. Uh, you're starting to see a trend as far as like defensive ends and linebackers that this staff is uh, recruiting, um, they have they're tall. They have long arms and they can run. Uh, I don't know whether Lawson is, is going to be like a backer or maybe if he puts on enough weight, he's a defensive end. He's an edge type player, right? Though either way, um, and you're start you're definitely seeing a trend in this class as far as the type of players that Virginia Tech is targeting. For those positions, so I, what I what I'm encouraged by with tech recruiting right now is there is a plan on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you can see it. You can see it and specifically. It's, it's not to recruit guys who are five eleven and, and try right, to right. right. I mean, there, there was no rhyme or reason necessarily for what tech was doing in in, in the past. Uh, I still think to a certain extent they were recruiting defensive end like it was still two thousand three. Yeah, like quarterbacks were under center. They took a seven step drop. You line up your short undersized but fast defensive end just out wide and just have him get after the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and, and the, to be fair, that's kind of insulting to Charlie Wiles and Bud Foster to say that, but that's that's kind of that, what that's, it looks like. That's what it kind of looks like. <laughs> I and mean, when you look at the, the defensive end, some of them that were on the field at, at Tech the, this past year. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think I think they're trying to make a point of sometimes the best way to 
defend the pass if you're a defensive lineman these days is at the line of scrimmage itself by getting your hands up in passing lanes because the passing game is so quick. Yeah. It's much, much quicker. It's negated pass rushes these days. I think you're just as likely or more likely to get a sack with a blitzing linebacker these days than you are a defensive end taking that long route around the offensive tackle to the quarterback. Yeah, and the, and the quarterbacks are so involved in the running game that, you know, you, you do need a bigger, rangier guy. Yeah, and, and with the read option these days and the RPOs, you know, there's so much play action, so much fake, so much misdirection in offenses these days that it slows down that defensive end's first step. I mean, yeah. it, it unless it's a third and long situation where you know they're going to pass, you know, it, your your initial first step is not necessary. Is not going to be. Oh, I'm just going to go after the passer. I'm, so there yeah. were plays. You're sitting there talking, and there were plays where Corey Moore would explode up the field, and it was a running play, like where he just vacated or something. Right, like right. That. We all revere and love Corey Moore, but yeah, there were times where that style of play just took him completely out of sure, position. Sure, yeah, you run a and, draw through that gap, and and that was big... with old school offenses, right. not not the the, right. the stuff they're running today. Um, okay, so that so it sounds like you see him, you see Lawson on defense. Uh, I would think so, yeah. um, but it's a possibility that you know he could be an H back type. I, it's been a while since I, I've watched his 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 tape, but uh, you know he's a good athlete. His, his tape is a mix of well, yeah. he's listed as an athlete, so his tape is right. a mix of wide receiver and right. and, and defense. Okay, so uh, he's number 36 in the state. Uh, and the next one on the list is cornerback Sean Asbury, mm-hmm. 5'10", 170, out of North Stafford High School in Stafford, Virginia. Listed as number 52 in the state, I don't see that. You know, yeah, As a matter of his, fact. His 247 ranking is much higher than that. But when right. you consider the other, what else they put in their composite rankings, yeah. he's, he, he'll, he'll move up. He and, was just named first team preseason all state yesterday. Yeah, uh, I, he's he's a guy who I, I think he played only six games last year because of an injury, and I think he's the one with the long, long highlight tape, like ten plus minutes, despite yeah. the fact that he only played half the season. Um, I, I could see him helping Virginia Tech as a punt returner. I believe um, he's good at that. Um, I, I, and you know, he looks like a talented defensive player. Uh, he looks like a guy who has natural cornerback instincts. Um, he he's he also seems like I believe Virginia Tech they beat out Pitt for him. Yeah, I believe, so yeah. so I wanted to get into that. He he's if if I remember correctly, looking through the profiles, he has a lot of small school offers. Right. The offer the offers that stand out to me are Army and Navy. Smart smart kids. Yeah, so that, smart that, disciplined that, kid. Exactly. And, and but and also the, talented and enough. To, but also talented enough to be offered by Virginia Tech and Pitt, right? And you right. might say, oh Pitt. Pitt's had some pretty darn Pitt good defenses, knows defensive man. football players, man. Narduzzi is a great defensive coach. I mean, that defense they put on the field in Lane Stadium this past year, that was probably the best offensive game Tech played all season, considering the pouring rain and considering Pitt's talent level on defense. The Tech yeah. offense played great last year in that game. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's a really good defense. So, to me, if, if like, Pitt wants a guy on defense, okay, that that's – I'll take a str- I'll take that guy under strong consideration right. if I know Pitt really wants him. Right. Totally agree. So next is uh, so, uh, oh, so one last note I had on Asbury. He is through through internet communications has gotten tight with Matthias Carroll. Yeah, and uh, you know he's a Northern Virginia guy, and Carroll's Maryland. Uh, he's very good friends. Asbury's very good friends with Tyleek Williams, right. who's a four-star defensive tackle, we'll, we'll borderline top one hundred guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that was a that was a good offer for Tech and a good good commitment for Tech for yeah. sure. 
Uh, so next up, cornerback DJ Harvey, 5'11", 166. So even though we're seeing bigger, rangier guys on the line and at linebacker, you're still seeing the – I don't want to use the word small. Uh, well, the, now this is this is the trend go, that seems to be going in the opposite direction a little bit. Like we've seen probably the last 10 years or so where Virginia Tech favors corners six feet or taller. Right. And now, you, now Asbury's at 5'11". Harvey's in the 5'11 range. Asbury 5'10", Harvey 5'11". Right, right. That's so, what they're listed. Right, right. So it kind of seems like they're saying uh, you don't necessarily have to be 6'2 as long as you're a great natural football player. Uh, Brandon Flowers was 5'9", right? And he's the best corner tech has ever had, in my opinion. Um, so I don't think it matters. What I prefer, someone who's 6'3", like Caleb Farley, and an absolute physical freak. Yeah. Yes, um, but but those guys are hard to find, and when they exist, everybody wants them. Yeah. Uh, if Caleb Farley had actually played defense in high school, he would have had offers from everybody in the country. Yeah, with his speed. Uh, like, and, like Virginia Tech beat out like Wake Forest for Caleb Farley, yeah. right? And if he had played defense in, in high school, they would have had to have beaten out everybody on the East Coast for Farley. Yeah. So there aren't that that's a hidden gem to a certain extent. So by the way, since we're talking about Farley, I think a guy who's gotten shafted is is Waller, Jermaine Waller. Oh yeah. His great his year. improvement is as remarkable as Farley's improvement mm-hmm. because he's right behind Farley and all those PFF R- graphics. If if Caleb Farley hadn't been the highest grading cornerback in the ACC last year, it would have been Jermaine everybody Waller. Everybody would be talking about Waller. Yeah. And yeah. instead, everybody's Farley, Farley, Farley. Right. Well, Waller, Waller had a great year. right there. Waller's skinnier than Farley. Um, not, not not quite the athlete that, that yeah, Farley top, is, top but, but but who is, right? Yeah. Um, but had a darn good season last year. Uh, I'm telling you, man, Virginia Tech was really well coached back there. That was, that was about – Fuente made a lot of coaching staff changes this past season. And uh, that when Brian Mid not retaining Brian Mitchell was the only one I think that you can question. Because, yeah, no, no offense, yeah, Ryan Smith. No, yeah, but, I mean, I I think Ryan Smith will do fine, but but Mitchell proved to be such a good player player developer yeah. at cornerback. I mean, what he did with those two guys, what he did with Armani Chapman this past year. Chapman had his rough patches here and there. I mean, if you recall the bowl game, but that guy graded out much much higher as a redshirt freshman than Caleb Farley did the year before. Right. I mean, I just saw Brian Mitchell getting the most out of his guy's ability and even more. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we talk about beating out Wake Forest for uh, for Farley, but Jermaine Waller, I want to say, like, rivals might have had him as, like, a two-star. Hmm. Um, like, he was a, a low-rated guy. Do you um, remember where Brian Mitchell wound up? Yeah, he's at NC Go State NC with Charlie. State, him and Charlie. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Dorian just raided the text. Raided staff. the cupboard, yeah. and he pays him more too. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other topic, though. Yeah. All right, so Harvey five eleven one sixty six out of Sierra Canyon, uh, Chatsworth, California, number thirty four in the state. Um, so again, rankings. Uh, he's number thirty four in the state, and he's a he's a three star. I looked it up. Number thirty one in the state of California is a four star. So he's what you refer to as a high three star. Yeah, if um, uh, and he's I, a he's a four star by twenty four sevens proprietary. Rankings. Correct. Um, now I believe I said on the boards when he committed that I would have if we had a half star system on TSL, um, I would probably have him like a three point five star. Yeah. Um, he's a little bit undersized, which is the only reason he's not a four star by everybody because he's a great football player. 
Um, he's a great football player on both sides of the ball. He's a he's a really really good punt returner. As a slot receiver, he called 84 passes, scored a bunch of touchdowns. I want to say 1,500 yards, 1,800 yards, something like that. Wow. Um, and I, I think his coverage skills, his natural coverage skills, his ability to read the cornerback's eyes, is really, really, really good. Uh, I just I think he's a top-notch natural football player. A little bit undersized. Right. Um, and that's why he's not a four-star by everybody. Um, that's why instead of – you know, Virginia Tech, they beat out Cal and Oregon for him. If he was an inch taller and 10 pounds heavier, then they would have had to beat out USC right. for him, uh, uh, probably. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a great get. I think he's he's a really good natural football player. Is it true that he is the currently the highest-ranked player in the class? Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I, I think – He's he's the most likely probably of all these guys to contribute early in his career. I think he's a very advanced football player. I think maybe a guy like Matthias Carroll has a higher ceiling. Yeah. Because he's so big and so rangy and got such a good first step. Um so I like I, I would put I would put Carroll's current ability as in ability to contribute early like as a, as a true freshman as like a half star or a one star very very unlikely but i've got him as like a four or four and a half for long-term potential right. whereas harvey you know i've probably got him at two two and a half current potential but maybe three and a half four long-term potential right. but really really good natural football player all right and he uh he was one he and some of his uh Seven-on-seven seven, uh, teammates from California made the, made a midnight madness visit visit oh. on March first. Yeah, these it, guys literally flew in at midnight. Right, right? and the, the, uh, that was March first was the first day of the evaluation period. Uh, so that was the first day that you could see prospects in person. I, I want to say the evaluation period. Maybe it was a different period, but anyway, it was a, it was the first day you could have in person contact with recruits on campus. Yeah, right and. So they, they flew into town. They made a tour of a bunch of schools up and down the East Coast, and, and the tech coaches set it up where those guys showed up to the, the campus at midnight. The very first minute that Virginia Tech was allowed to host visits, right? Yeah. Midnight on, on, on March 1st. It was a long day for the tech staff. You can't say these guys don't work hard, man, particularly the recruiting staff. I mean, those guys earn earn every penny because – Tech had a bunch of regular visitors coming in the next morning at like 10 or 11 in the morning. So you stay up all night hosting guys in for California. Then maybe at like 5 a.m. you go home, get a couple hours of sleep, mm-hmm. and then you're right back in the office hosting guys all day. That's a young man's game, dude. Oh, yeah. I can tell you that. Um, and that was hosted by Bo Davidson. Bo Davidson was the one doing that Midnight Madness yeah, stuff. Yep. Uh, Bo knows recruiting. Um, yeah, he does. All right, so the next commitment was uh, linebacker <laughs> Easy Atute, mm-hmm. 6'3", out of Cox High School in Virginia Beach, number 37 in the state. And he picked Tech over NC State and WVU. Yeah, his offer list is clearly one of uh, someone who will be ranked higher than 37th in the state yeah. by, by the yeah. end of, of the process. Uh, I think he he's listed at 6'3", 205. I, I, I think he's – I've seen mention that he's like – Six one one ninety seven, but maybe he's added some size since then. I don't. It's not so much how big he is; it's how, it's his frame. Like Xavier DB, when he was a true freshman, the first time he ever weighed in was measured when he reported to Tech was six one one ninety seven. Wow. Um, 
So I, I think I think he's got the frame. Um, he'll have to redshirt and everything like that, j- just like a DB. I think he, he moves very well in traffic uh, inside the tackle box, uh, avoiding blockers, gets a good early read on the ball. Very physical player um, for someone his size, can move well in space. Looks really good in coverage, too. Um, he was a guy that uh, I think they needed to see some evidence that he had grown a little bit since his junior year, and I think when the, when they saw that evidence, however they saw it, I, I don't know, um, they went ahead and pulled the trigger. Um, good offer. Um, I, I thought, again, I, I uh, thought in looking at his film that that some of his plays on the edge, he showed really good closing speed. Yeah, I agree. Good, good closing speed. speed. Um, he he's he's raw physically. I mean, I watched his uh, commitment video. Like he doesn't have much muscle definition right now. It's like he's never been in a weight room. Yeah. So if you're Ben Hilgert, you're like, man, this is a this guy was a really good athlete. But on a scale of one to ten, as far as weight room experience, he's at like a one point five. I've really got a chance to make a big, big difference in this guy's life. Yeah. Because um, I, I do think his natural football ability is there. He's not probably not going to be ready to contribute until he's like a redshirt sophomore, right. which is fine. Yep. Which that, that's fine. Um, develop guys, keep them in the program, redshirt them. Uh, and you, you have to evaluate their personalities too. Because some guys these days, if they're not starting by the time they're a redshirt freshman, they're like, see ya. Yeah. I'm out. Um, yeah, that, so, that, that, that's getting to be a real problem for, for, for a program like Tech. Yeah. Which needs to keep guys in development. Exactly. You know, you look at some of the great uh, TCU teams of the past, some of those Boise State teams. These are teams that kept guys in the program and developed them. And that's a track Tech has taken. It, you're you, right. you can't continue to have the, the activity on the outgoing transfer portal. TCU has... <clears throat> improve their recruiting rankings yep. by, by an average of about 40 spots per year. And they're not as good. They're not as good. Yeah. As they so, so a buddy be. of mine was texting me. He was watching the, the Rose Bowl between Wisconsin and TCU. Fuente was the offensive coordinator. Fuente was the offensive coordinator. And he was just saying that TCU had a – well, they had Andy Dalton. They had Andy Dalton, but they're also one of the only teams you'll ever see out physical Wisconsin. Yeah, they they, they really stood with them toe-to-toe. And yeah. TCU wound up winning that game, They did. Right? They, well, yeah. they, they went undefeated that year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they just they just had a lot of veteran guys. Yes. You know, so yeah. – and that's the, the track Virginia Tech's taken. Yep. So, uh, so you currently got uh, 13 commitments, five of them. Mm-hmm. Are from in-state schools, much better than last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's let's briefly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on these guys. Actually, one of them maybe. Um, you the the last story where you I think you broke down targets was on June 29th, and you mentioned four guys I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, first of all, two of them were Naquan Brown, who's committed to LSU, and I don't even want to talk about Naquan. We've, <laughs> we've worn that subject out. Yeah. Um, the, another one, a guy that I really originally liked, but he wound up committing to Louisville on July 2nd, was uh, Amari Huggins-Bruce. I thought he, uh, again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on him because he's not coming here, but I, I thought he had a lot of potential as a slot receiver, some really, really good film. He would have come in and, and been one of the best athletes on the team right away, in my opinion. Uh, they, they went back and forth on him because he is so small. Yeah. like And I mean skinny small right like short ends like 5 11 150 pounds right uh, 155 pounds and, and tech i i know because somebody over there has told me this um that they, they they do want to get bigger so they can be more durable i know right right so it's one of those things you see a guy that think you think can really help you 
he, he looks like he can be a dynamic player, but at the same time, you've sort of got this new, I won't say rule, it's more of a guideline than an mm-hmm. actual rule, but you are trying to take guys who are a certain size, and he doesn't fit the mold from that standpoint. Right. So it's it's sort of like defensive end. Like Virginia Tech wants to get bigger and quicker at defensive end. Um, so what if you see a guy who's ultra quick, who's going to make you quicker, but he doesn't make you bigger? Yeah. Do you take him? And then that maybe, maybe, but you take him as like a plan B or a plan C, not yeah. a plan A. So they went back and forth on Huggins, Bruce. Um, and, 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 and he probably got more love from Louisville. And, and was, was South Carolina involved with him? Do you remember? I don't Probably. I think no. maybe to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so I can understand that. And I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily critical of the wishy-washiness uh, of it because I don't know what I would have done either. Like if, if I went into this situation with certain guidelines that I really want to strictly follow – and then, like, the first slot receiver I see breaks those guidelines, what do I do? Right. Right? Yeah. Um, do you, if you, Because if you start making exceptions. Um, where does it stop? Where it's does it stop? You, slippery I mean, slope you, and all Right. That. You give yourself more room to make more exceptions in the future, and all of a sudden you've got a bunch of small players out there and they're all getting hurt <laughs> right again. Crazy yeah, target. so I don't know. So I'm not going to judge them how they handle that recruitment until I see – what the full class of wide receivers looks like at the end of the year. Well, you know, I didn't watch a lot of Louisville football last year. Satterfield's their head coach now, yeah. right? Yeah, he is. Um, I watched them – I think I watched them play Clemson, and, and they were really competitive and really dynamic early in the game, and yeah. then they got trucked. Right. But I but, but I thought the, the offense that Satterfield's running at Louisville was just very fast and very dynamic. Sure. And, and maybe a guy like Huggins, Bruce, will fit yeah, in. Yeah, and, and Jalen Jones, who's already committed to sack out of Richmond, really good natural receiver – uh, I think he'll probably end up playing in the slot. Right. He's about six feet tall. And I, I, if, if you want to talk about recruiting to the mold, pretty much every outside receiver that Virginia Tech recruits is 6'2 or above, which leads me to believe that Jones is likely going to be a slot guy. Right. He'll be more of a possession slot guy than Huggins Bruce w- would have been, but he's a really good football player. Yeah. All right, so two others mentioned in the article is uh, defensive tackle, Tyleek Williams, mm-hmm. um, is he teammates with Asbury? I don't, I don't think he's teammates, but I, I they're think from they're, the they're pretty area. close. A lot of those guys up there in Northern Virginia, that they train together. They, they, they have the same personal trainers maybe, or or, or, the, or they do the seven-on-seven seven stuff with each other. And, and, and Williams is a really highly rated guy in state, like number five in the state. Uh, yeah, borderline tackle, top 100 guy, I, I, th- I think. 6'3", uh, 315 kind of guy. Yeah, um, big, big guy, good quickness for his size. Uh, he, I don't think he, he's not quite as good as Tim Settle as a prospect, but yeah. uh, he's a very good prospect nonetheless. And and the reason he even came up was that he got a couple of crystal balls to Virginia Tech in late June. Yeah. So suddenly everybody's going, oh, where's that coming from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so uh, and then a guy that uh, I think you wrote about recently, Jordan Poole, linebacker Jordan Poole. Jordan is a top 100 guy, right? By 247 he is, but he's a three-star by everybody else. Right. Like he's number 65 in the country by 247. Yeah. But everybody else, he's just a three-star recruit. And I understand that. Um, I think his athletic ability and his strength, his explosiveness, is sort of indicative of a, of a top 100 guy. Um, but at the same time, he's listed at six feet, so you know maybe he's five eleven. 
He's being recruited as a linebacker, as far as I know. He's like six feet, two twenty-five. That puts him as a Mike, probably. If if Virginia Tech plays the Mike and the backer as they've been playing them for the last twenty-five years, yeah. um, well, he plays safety in high school, right? So you're so I, I noticed that on his high school mm-hmm. film, he is he, a deep safety too. He is in a in his high school film. A lot of plays start with him out of the frame. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, they do like that he's not even like a hybrid. Thing. Yeah, he is a deep safety. They put him way back there, and they give him all sorts of room to run. A and lot, a lot of room to run, and man, he, he when some, somebody goes to the sideline, he will lay the smack down on him. That dude has a heavy shoulder. If you're going towards the sideline and you're playing his team. You better go ahead and get out of bounds about two or three yards early. You better, you're you better come up. correct. As yeah, they say. <laughs> exactly. Because he flattened a lot of oh, guys. Gosh. On the He's a big hitter. So, so the the question marks around him is how big is he? How tall is he? Yeah. Um, he looked think, big on his film, but you know, you who know, knows? who knows? Uh, yeah. And then, what position is he going to play? How can you evaluate him as a linebacker when he doesn't play linebacker? Right. Right. Two four seven is banking on him. He's got the athleticism certainly to play linebacker. He will pick it up mentally. Mentally, yeah. So, but that's a that that's an educated guess more so than anything. All recruiting is an educated guess to a certain extent. I'll tell I'll tell you this. All right, I feel better when a guy moves closer to the line of scrimmage because it cuts down on his coverage on responsibilities. His options, yeah. Right. So generally speaking, you move a guy back, like you move a defensive end to outside linebacker, or you move a linebacker to safety. It just adds more coverage responsibilities. And they're not used to doing it. Like one of the reasons, even if you throw out all the off-field red flags, one of the reasons I never really thought Holland Fisher was going to be a good football player at Virginia Tech is because he played middle linebacker in high school. He never had to cover anybody. It was just attack, 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 attack. And yet he was slotted as a safety for college. Oh yeah, absolutely, all safety all the way. Um, Like very cerebral position, and I, I just. I didn't think, based on what, how I saw him playing in high school and the position he played, that he would ever be able to pick that up at the college level. And, and I know we've told this story before. I think I was sitting, you know, back when they used to do, uh, um, not scrimmages, but uh, JV games. Mm-hmm. I think I remember sitting and watching a JV game between Virginia Tech and probably Fork Union or uh, Hargrave. Mm-hmm. And one of the walk-ons was, was repeatedly telling Holland Fisher where to line up and what to look for. No, no, no. The You're thinking of uh... – Kent Hicks. <laughs> Sorry, Holland Fisher. Uh, yeah. uh, Holland Fisher never even made it far enough to Tech to even participate. To play a JV game, well, right? By the time he got here, there was no more JV football. Right, right, okay. But but you're thinking of Kent Hicks, and and uh, it wasn't a JV game. It was uh, the first day of practice of whatever season. And he'd been that in was. the program a little while, and that that's he was when, yeah, he'd been in there for a year. Or that's so. when you and I were like, eh. well, that was that was back. Like we were at practice, and I think I put that on the boards or in some kind of write up afterwards. We didn't have a press pass back. Press pass back. No, right. So I got in through another media organization that will remain unnamed because I had just started. Well, it, doesn't, it doesn't I, exist anymore, so it's okay. No, it does. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It does. Um, so I got in with them. Nobody over there, nobody really knew who I was or that I was working for DSL at that point. So I got in there and was watching practices with these other people and then coming to work here and writing about it. <laughs> nice. Please don't uh, don't revoke our press passes in, uh, in the hindsight. That was but a anyway, long I, time ago. I, I went in there and I wrote about it. And uh, it got word to Beamer. And that's when Beamer got mad and started locking down practice a little bit more. Wow. Yeah, because, because I mean, I didn't say anything wasn't true. 
But she didn't say anything nice. <laughs> All right. So uh, appreciate it. That's that's kind of the rundown on recruiting. Uh, we're going to take a break. I need to take a break. Uh, yeah. So brief uh, word from the Fisher Law Firm. And when we come back, we will discuss big topic. Malcolm, how many minutes in are we right now? Oh, my okay. gosh. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, people have been telling us that we need to make – and we haven't done a podcast since June 9th. And we've gotten feedback recently, like, ah, make them longer. So, fine. That's fine. We'll, That's fine. we'll go along on this one. So, if, we're, if we could go that long, I definitely need to take a break for a second. So, we're going to talk about will football be played when we come back. Yeah. We're not going to answer it. We're just going to throw And the, when the we latest. talked about this podcast yesterday, I was like, ah, let's do the recruiting stuff first first it'll, it'll be, be quickest. shorter yeah <laughs> no, and 45 minutes in so yeah. uh take a break and we'll be right back yep so welcome back we uh thank jonathan fisher for his sponsorship of the and the fisher law firm for their sponsorship of the tech sideline podcast episode 130 Happy Bastille Day, July 14th, 2020. All right, so Chris got to talk a lot during the first section. I think I'm going to get to talk a lot during this one. We're going to talk about whether or not football is going to be played this fall. So um, didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of research, but I did spend some time. Well, that's not true. I poked around for about two hours yesterday, read some articles and things like that. So at this point in time, here's the status. Uh, The Big Ten and the Pac-12 have both announced conference only. I believe for all sports, not just football. That's correct. At least for the Big Ten, I know that's correct. Of course, the trickle down for Virginia Tech is that they lose this year's Penn State game. Um, The Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC have all said they're going to decide in late July. Um, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey met with uh, school presidents slash ADs, I'm not exactly sure who, yesterday. And they didn't come to a decision, but they just kind of formally announced we're going to let some more time go by and decide in, in late July. As a sidebar, um, the, the, the trend in how everybody feels and where everybody thinks this is going is no football this fall. Um, I, I think that that, hmm, I, I take a little bit of a contrarian attitude. There's a lot of people out there that really want football to happen this fall for various reasons. And one of the things I dislike about the discussion is that um, so somebody will say something on Twitter, to, uh, for example, about how decision will be made in uh, in late July. And the 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 one issue, one note tweeters who, who express themselves in 280 characters or less because their thoughts are not nuanced will, will chime in with the, all these athletes who play for free and you're, you're running in the risk of them getting killed so, so for your entertainment. I, I despise that kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, a, that an excellent counterpoint to that kind of discussion was, was the statement released by oh, Iowa State Athletic Director Jamie Pollard. That was outstanding. Now, what I advise you to do is, if you haven't seen Jamie, what Jamie Pollard wrote, um, <clears throat> do not read an article about it. Go to Iowa State's website and read what Jamie Pollard actually wrote. I tweeted it yesterday, so you can, if you follow me on Twitter, you can get it from there. You tweeted his actual statement, and I, it also it was a up, link to the article on their site. Yeah, yeah so, and... and uh, 
uh, Hokey Magic, a uh, buddy of mine, uh, I can't remember if it was our subscriber board or our recruiting board, he linked the actual mm-hmm. statement as well. If you read the articles, the articles will have headlines like, Iowa State AD Jamie Pollard says, sports may be canceled this fall. He said a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. But you got to have that clickbait headline. So that's why I caution you, stay away from the articles and read his actual statement. Yeah. And, and he, you know, we don't have the time or the space. We could do a show on his statement, actually, and, and how nuanced it was and how thorough it was. But he made some points. He, he, he laid out, we have an $86 million athletic budget. And of that, $55 million is fixed costs. If we sit here and don't play a single game, we got to put out $55 million in expenses. Mm-hmm. $31 million is variable costs sport program operations, academic, medical, and nutrition. Very detailed stuff. You know, very detailed. And he said, if we don't play football this fall, we are going to lose uh, $40 million. No, I believe the way he phrased it was, we are going to have $40 million of expenses in the next six months. And, you know, something about uh, with basically almost no income, right. heavily reduced income. Right. And, you know, a lot of the lot he talked about a lot of the things that people don't really talk about. That that previous Twitterati viewpoint of, you know, high school uh, college athletes are a form of indentured servitude because you're not paying them. Um, you got to turn that around. These athletes, trust me, they want to play. Yeah. You know, they they want to be here. They 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 want to be around their teammates and their coaches. They want everything to be normal. I, I know I don't want to speak for them because they're a large and, and, and varied group, but it, it, all else being equal, they definitely would want to play. And, and I remember when, when Fuente did a Zoom interview recently, uh, I asked him the question, have you had any of your, you know, at this point in time, I think it was in June or, or something like that, maybe even May. And so they hadn't had spring football. And I said, I know you can't name names, but are, but are any of your players struggling with this more than others? And his answer was words to the effect of, you know, some guys, they go home and they have great home life and they have great support. Um, they can continue to develop themselves as athletes in a home environment. He said others need the structure. Mm-hmm. They need the support. Absolutely. They need what we give them. They need the, the academic side of it. They need the nutrition they need the structure. A lot of these guys, their home situation is not great. Right. And I'm not going to name names, but there are past Virginia Tech football players, some of them very recent. Mm-hmm. I will name a name, Sean Savoy. Sean Savoy came from a rough background. Right. His brother got killed you yeah. know, while Sean was at Tech. Some of these guys would much rather be in their college environment. Daddy Nicholas came from a background where he had one meal a day before he got to Virginia Tech. You but, know, and, 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 and we, could, we could get into some other guys, right, right you know. And, and that is an underappreciated part of what's going on here. It's not uh, – Pollard – I've actually got this quote right here. Pollard said, some people have incorrectly framed the issue as safety versus revenue generation. That gets right to the heart of, of the discussion that I despise. And then he went on for many paragraphs about the other discussion. You know, the simple fact is the reality lies somewhere in the middle. Um, so he talked about uh, – let's see um, – um, I, I think I kind of summed it up pretty well that there, there, there's a lot of layers to this that your typical person doesn't appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about, you know, if 
if athletic departments are not able to play football this fall and bring in that revenue, there's going to be a bloodbath across hundreds of athletic departments across this country oh, in terms of jobs. Yeah. Um, the the when when this all first started and, and all these states locked down, a lot of people lost their jobs and the unemployment numbers were outrageous. And now the numbers are a lot smaller. Um, and <clears throat> the percentage of unemployed in this country, I think, is lower than a lot of people thought it would be. If you continue to keep sports and entertainment industries shut down, there's going to be, everybody talks about another wave of the virus, there's going to be another wave of job losses. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of people out there who are out of work, and this affects everybody's lives. Um, and, and some people get preachy and say that, well, losing your job doesn't equate to losing your life. Dude, in some cases it does. You know, some of these athletes, without the support structure of the system, what if they don't come back to school and they stay at home? Some of them are going to go off the rails. Right. You know, because they just, without that support, they they will make poor decisions or they just don't have any other options. And, and their lives could end up being very negatively impacted. And you're never going to hear about that. Right. Nobody's tallying those statistics. Right. They're just tallying the statistics that come out of the hospital. It'll be written about five years from now. Right. Once some evidence you know, gets out there. Once uh, people, yeah. yeah. You, you know, the, you're already seeing articles about the tremendous uh, strain that's being put on the mental health system in this country. Yeah. Um, somebody who runs some kind of company some kind of suicide prevention company post on our board said their uh their business for lack of a better word is up like 45 percent yeah. or something like that yeah um you know you know the saying idle hands make the devil's work i assume that's a bible verse probably um, but it's it's true right there's a certain segment of the population if you give them nothing to do if you give if they if they're not in a structured environment that then things are not going to go well. Um, I'm of the opinion um, from, from if you want to talk about a safety issue, you know what's going to happen when kids come back to this, come back to college campuses. Yeah. You're not going to see this as much in cities like NC State's a big city anyway, right? Um, but Blacksburg, when the population of the town, I don't know, doubles or triples or whatever, when the students come back, and they're all going to be partying. I've lived in this town for 20 years. I know exactly what they do. I know exactly what they're going to do when they come back, coronavirus or not. If there's a football season, then your team is at the team hotel on Friday night, either in town or somewhere else. Um, I think tech practices in the morning these days instead of the evening. So, uh, you know, maybe... I'm not going to go to Tots Tuesday because I got practice at 7 a.m., <laughs> right? Um, if there's no football and these guys have no structure, then on Friday nights they're going to be at a party instead or they're going to be in Tots. They are just as likely or maybe even more likely to get the coronavirus if there's no football season, in my opinion. I could be wrong. There are just as many smart pe people as smart or smarter than me that might have a different opinion. I, th I think but, phrased a different way. Um, yes, there is risk if we, they do play football. Right. Yes. But there, there's also risk if they don't play football. Correct. It's just risk of a different kind. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, just pick it up in, in different ways. Um, so I, I'm not saying that there should be a season or there shouldn't be a season or when it should start. But if the narrative it is 
oh, we shouldn't have the season because if there's a season, they might get the coronavirus. I think that's the wrong argument because I think they're just as likely to get the coronavirus if there is no season, if not even more likely. Um, it's, not, I, not I mean, you know, disagree with you. So. Um, players are people too, right? <laughs> and people are going to people. <laughs> um, you know, you, you can't. I think. I think if anything is, if this has proven anything about this country, is people value their personal freedom a lot, and you can't really tell people in this country what to do. They they don't react well to it. Uh, that's some, that's, some one, that's do, one of my soapbox things. Right, go ahead. Some people do. Some people don't. <clears throat> um, so, like football players are, are no different, man. So, some of them you can tell them, all right, here's what you should do, and they're gonna do it. But some of them. They're still going to be – they're just going to go to Tots on a Friday night. Right. That's just what they're going to do. I mean, I'm not going to name names or even name the sport. But somebody told me this a few weeks ago, but there's a certain – there's an athlete at Virginia Tech that was downtown in bars for like four nights in one week or earlier this summer when things opened back up. That's what they're going to do <laughs> if there's no sport. He's, I'm, he's I'm pounding just... <laughs> his hands on, on, on so the chair. I, so, like, I'm, I'm not – saying they should have it or they shouldn't have it i don't know i mean there's much bigger things there are a lot of things in this that's above my head right but as a guy who's lived in blacksburg for the last 20 years um i i i know what this town is like and i know what's going to happen when the students come back so one one of the things that we probably talked about this one of the things i think about is let's say you do have a football season here in blacksburg and you figure out some way to social distance within the stadium. Um, I'm pretty sure that you can limit student attendance all you want and space them out, but I'm also pretty sure they're going to be partying on Center Street before the game in large numbers. How do you stop that? Right. I mean, honestly, how do you stop that? Do everything you want to in the stadium, but, you know, kids are going to kids and people are going to people. If there's no football game and nobody's allowed in the stands – they're still going to be partying on Center Street, and they're just going to watch it on TV. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. You well, know, but... you know, uh, my tell, I've got a tailgating group that I tailgate with sometimes, and for uh, <clears throat> the East, the canceled East Carolina game a couple years ago, <laughs> we actually had a tailgate in Lot 1 and just watched college football on TV all I day. I remember that. You wound up on television, right? Yeah, Bat- yeah, we Babcock did. Babcock came by Yeah, we did. I can imagine us, like, for, oh, I don't know, name a home game this year. Uh I don't know for the Georgia Tech game. Can't go to the game. Eh, let's just have a nice outdoor, socially distanced tailgate in the parking lot. And the so, game. so we can at least say we had a tailgate this year, right? Well, uh, you know, some people are going to do that, and and students are not going to. They're not going to uh, take the social distancing part. So I think we've seriously. gotten. A, we, I think we've gotten a little off topic, we which, which is okay yeah. because that's how it tends to go with this this subject. Um, so the, the the Big 12, SEC, and ACC are going to decide in late July. And so here's some of the trickle down. Notre Dame's already lost three games from mm-hmm. their schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wisconsin, USC, and Stanford mm-hmm. because of the uh, Big Ten and Pac-12 announcements. Um, before we get into what the ACC might do, let's talk a little bit. I think we've actually already talked about this on the podcast before. Um, the, the whole concept – no, we haven't talked about it because the news has come out since the last night. The whole concept of in-conference only and 
I've actually got written down here, who's in charge discussion. We have had that discussion. Yeah. The NCAA is not in charge. And I'll get into that in a second. There's actually a statement they released that I think is, is worth discussing. The uh, conferences are in charge of their member schools. But even then, if you as the Big Ten say, um, here's what we're going to do, conference games only, we're all going to play 10 or 12 conference games, however you want to do it then you can still be overruled on a school level by a governor or by a school president. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm putting some, some carts before some horses here, but I'm kind of going down this path. So let me read this NCAA statement that they put out on Twitter the other day, which I mocked. <laughs> um, As the COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact college sports nationally, the NCAA supports its members as they make important decisions based on their specific circumstances and in the best interests of college athletes' health and well-being. That statement says, on the surface, it says nothing. And that's why I mocked it. Mm-hmm. And then somebody on the, uh, either, in, either in my Twitter timeline or on our message boards made a statement, something like, that's just the NCAA giving its member institutions some latitude to make decisions without possible ramifications. And, and so I thought about that. This could mean, the, so, uh, you know, the whole thing of conference championship games, it is an NCAA bylaw slash rule that you have to have two divisions with at least six teams in each division before you can have a conference championship game. Maybe part of what you can read between the lines here is that the NCAA is saying, we're going to relax that this year. The NCAA may also be saying, you know that rule we've got about how you got to win six games to go to a bowl? Um, yeah. if, if, if anybody wants to and can go to a bowl at the end of the year, everybody just – if you want to invite a three-and-nine <laughs> Iowa State team, if they're willing to go and play, then we're going to allow that to happen. Right. However, let's say you're the, you're the Big Ten and you've got – is it 14 schools in the Big Ten? Yeah, 14. Let's say five school presidents or governors say we ain't playing and they only got nine teams. The NCAA is saying, okay, go ahead. Just put all nine in one division. Take the top two and play a championship game at the end of the year. We're not going to tell you you can't do that. Right. And what else did I think? Um, that, that's basically it. That, that's, that may be the NCAA saying – Read between the lines here. Y'all do what you got to do, and we'll give you the freedom. You know, the NCAA gets criticized um, to a certain extent uh, for not taking control in situations like this. Uh, As far as what the conferences do and everything, I don't see how the the NCAA could possibly be in control. This country is so big. It's so regionalized. You know, you look at the coronavirus in Europe. Let's, Let's pick a random European country. Let's pick Belgium. Belgium's a small country. Uh, people in northern Belgium and southern Belgium feel the, they're no different, right? Whereas here, it's like people in the north and south are different. People in the east and west are different. It's so regionalized, so many different types of we people. We are thousands of miles apart. Right, right, right. So, and we have states, and European countries don't necessarily have states, at least not ones with not strong with state governments right, and yeah. everything like that. So, it's just so different over here. Like, the NCAA can set all the could come in and say, okay, this is how we're going to do things, and then it's like, okay, this governor up here is going to says 
no football because if he says we'll play football he might get voted out of office whereas this governor over here says oh yes we're playing football because if he said no we're not playing football he would get voted out of office right right? so it's just uh it's a it's a strange strange situation that doesn't apply to virginia because the governorship here is one term um but i i don't see how the governor body could have decent control over this when it's just everything in this country is so regionalized yeah um i, I that's them just stepping back and saying i, I think in this situation they should step back because yeah. I, I don't because i don't think a decision for one conference is necessarily good for another conference man so at some point you know in that, in that 1984 landmark ruling where <clears throat> the Supreme Court basically told NCAA, the NCAA, you can't control TV appearances by your member schools like you've been doing for the last 30, 40, 50 years. Right. And the rights went over to the individual schools and then by extension conferences because it was easier to negotiate as a conference. Yeah. Um, it was that moment in time where the NCAA lost control of football and TV took control of football. Right. You know, and that's really what it boils down to is if you need to make the economics work and we all need to survive this, then, you know, the NCAA doesn't have a whole lot of say here. So right. let's let's get back on track. I wanted to talk specifically about the ACC stuff. So Notre Dame's lost three games off their schedule. Virginia Tech's lost one. Um, so, and, and the articles I read, the ACC has talked about a conference only schedule that's where everybody's going if two power five conferences do it that's where everybody's got to go now one i don't i don't know where this rumor came from it made it on our message boards and i didn't source it there's a rumor that the acc is going to play 10 conference games and those 10 conference games are going to consist of home and home matchups with five other teams (laughs) so five closest teams yeah so virginia tech will have five teams on their schedule and they'll play all of them twice (laughs) can you imagine like Winning the Commonwealth Cup back in September and then losing it again in early November <laughs> or something like that. Uh, uh, you, you could pay me to drive it back and forth. That would be somebody's <laughs> job if it's going to finally move after all these years. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I thought like 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 the guy out of, uh, what is it, an office space? Oh, this is horrible, this idea. This idea. But um, somebody said, well, it's probably to limit air travel. Yeah. So then you start thinking. Who yeah, my I- gosh, you watch the NFL. What what what? That's called NFL divisional scheduling. Yeah, right. To, home and home against everybody in your division. Yeah. So uh, Virginia Tech could wind up. You can you can Virginia Tech could have a schedule where you completely remove air travel, yeah. and they could wind up playing UVA, Wake, Duke, UNC, and NC State, <laughs> all twice. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Those would be bus rides for Virginia. Yeah, Tech. absolutely. They could they could be bus rides. Yeah, that well, four bus, bus rides. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, it's so, only Tech ever flies to like Duke. Why would you? It, That's well, silly. Unless you just have more money than you know what to do. Because you're a ninety million dollar operator. I don't know. You know, they they probably <laughs> do take the bus. That's kind of a they, long yeah. Bus they take ride the there. bus. I'm sure. Uh, so, I think that's the thinking there. And uh, yeah. at, when when I list, like great UVA twice. That's cool. Wake Duke. Blech. But then I think it play in UNC twice and NC State twice, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, because we never get to play NC State. Right. Right. We're getting to play them twice in one year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe they would structure it some way where Tech would play Clemson. Now, now, now this would be the interest. This would be interesting to me because if you watch the NFL and you play those divisional, you play your 
teams twice in one year. Like the Packers will play the Lions twice or whatever. So you lose to them the first time, and then you play them again two months later. And, okay, what did we do wrong in that first game? How yeah. are we going to change? Um, Who's injured that was injured be It before. would be a different dynamic for college football that we've never experienced before, yeah. which I think would make it interesting. Um, it, not saying I necessarily want it to be that way long term, but. And I, and I have I have said, I don't think I've said it in an article on the podcast, but, you know, this this college football season could either not happen, which would be awful, or it could be one of the most fascinating, interesting I, things you've ever seen. I know, seen. it could be totally awesome. It, it, just, it really could be. Um, gosh, there's enough to talk about during a regular football season. <laughs> um, and, and one of the reasons for doing uh, 10 games as opposed to 12 is that leaves you scheduling flexibility. If, and I've given the example, if UVA's entire quarterback room tests positive the week before they're supposed to play Virginia Tech, yeah. then you're just like, all right, well, have we got a later date? We can redo this. That brings me, I want to get this topic in to make sure we talk about it. Let's talk about testing and how schools are testing. So let me let me take one more look at my um, – let me hold that thought. Uh, so I want – because I want to close this out. So Mark Blauchin, a longtime national sports writer. Mm-hmm. Mostly worked in Boston, I think. He worked some down in Dallas. He wrote an article for TMG Sports, which is now part of the revamped Sports Illustrated. And he advocated not playing football this fall. Just Mm -hmm. punt and wait till next year. Mm -hmm. Quote, there's no need to play college football this fall. Take the pressure off. Give modern medicine six months to find a cure. Try and make it work in some form next spring. And then pick it up again next fall. I thought that was really ham-handed and poorly thought out. And I thought that Jamie Pollard's piece that he wrote as, as Iowa State's athletic director was much more thorough yeah. and reasonable. Right. Um, you know, so just wanted to throw that out yeah. there. Uh, so anyway, testing. Yeah. Um, we don't know right now. Or obviously, there's no national testing policy for by the NCAA. They're leaving everything up to conferences. We don't know that any of the conferences have instituted their own testing policies for their member institutions. As far as I know, it's every school just every school for itself. Well, at this how, point, it is. Yes. How often do we test? Uh, if somebody tests positive, what do we do? Um, how long does he have to isolate himself? Does his roommate have to isolate himself too? Right now, that's all up to each school as far as I know. Um, now, for once camp starts, I'm of the opinion, and or excuse, once the season starts for sure, at each conference, they, they, they have to come up with their own, yeah. their own standards. Now, let's get into the financial aspect of coronavirus testing. Uh, doing some searching this morning, the, the average test is about 100 bucks per test. You got about 100 football players – um, the coaching staff, the support staff, the trainers. Um, you know, you could have 130, 140 guys out there on, at, at every practice. The practice field isn't necessarily the, the dangerous part. It's in meetings and, and in the locker room and things like that. But let's say, let's say there are 130 players within the football program, 100, 130 people. Individuals. With, 130 individuals within the, within the program need to be tested for coronavirus at 100 bucks each, right? You do it once a week, you test them once a week, that's $13,000. You go up over 
And if you do that every week from the start of camp through the end of the season, that's about 18 weeks, you're talking $234,000 worth of tests. And that's if you test them once a week. Some people want them tested twice a week. You do it twice a week, well, it's double that. You're talking closer to a half a million bucks. Yeah. And that's just the football team. That's what I was going to say. That's just football. That's not counting basketball. Well, one of the reports I read that one of the schools had tested something like 427 athletes and and support staff. Right. And, okay, so how does that get paid for? I assume how much of that is paid for by insurance, how much of it is picked up by schools. I don't know anything about that. But I got to imagine that even if insurance is paying 100% of it, then insurance costs are going up quite a bit. Somebody pays. Right, right. So this is testing could potentially cost Virginia Tech hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year where they're going to be bringing in a lot less revenue no matter what. How do you you even afford it? Yeah. Right, right? So so you're going to set – so conferences are going to set testing standards for schools that some schools might not be able to keep up with, quite frankly. Like how in the world is Boston College – Nobody goes to their games. They don't make any money, and they have they sponsor like 26 sports. Uh, I think it's more than that. I think it's 29. You're probably it's, right. It's an okay. outrageous number of so sports. So how in the world is Boston College going to afford something like that? I, I mean, I, I honestly have no idea. Um, so that, that's another aspect of it that, that nobody's talking about. Like right now, I'm guessing, you're, I'm guessing some schools have been testing players regularly. I'm guessing others are only testing players if they're showing symptoms. Right. And – I, I, I who knows? I mean, I, it's a wild west, man. So uh, one of the things that Pollard said is, um, and and these are nuances that your average person doesn't know. First of all, he laid out the eighty-six million dollar budget and, and what's involved where. And he said the Iowa State athletics athletics budget does not include any state or university funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, your average person doesn't grasp that these are independently operating entities they right. can't just turn to the school and ask for money right and, and towards uh, i think at some point in the statement he said furthermore state agencies including the university and its departments are not allowed to incur debt for operating expenses right so you state can't law you can't take out a loan state laws are different in each state yeah right and yes and so they're going to vary across the country right and in Virginia Tech's case, all I all I know about is with regards to capital projects, however much debt you're servicing, if you if you take out thirty million dollars in debt to do a to do a building, you have to keep a, a certain percentage of cash reserves. Cash on hand, yeah. It's ten, fifteen, twenty percent of that. So not only is the project costing you a thirty million dollar loan, but it's costing you three to five million dollars in cash reserves that you have to just hold and sit on. Right. You know. Right. So anyway, I, I just thought again that was a nuance. Because one of the things that went through my head was, this is probably a one-year, th- probably a one-year thing. Not everybody agrees with me. Mm-hmm. Just take out a loan to keep your athletic department going. Well, well in Iowa, you can't. S- some people can't do this. Some people live in states like Florida where they, or, or Connecticut even. Remember the state New, of New Connecticut bu- built UConn Stadium for yep. them. And, and, and New Jersey, when, when Rutgers expanded their stadium at one point in the past, it was mostly are all paid for by the state of New Jersey. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, North Carolina just passed a state law specifically for UNC and Mac Brown where out-of-state athletes can be given in-state tuition, which yeah. saves UNC football a ton of tuition money, right? So if UNC football, if the UNC athletic department somehow ran out of money, I'm sure the North Carolina legislature would just pass a law, find a way to, to just – to 
to make it, make that up, right? And I don't think the state of Virginia would do that for Virginia Tech or UVA. I just um, I don't think so. It's, it's so radar. like people talk about uniformity and how what's going to happen in college football overall in the grand scope of things. What should schools do? Well, what, there's no one answer to that because some schools are going to be limited because of what conference they're in, what state they're in. Here we go. We talk again, being a regionalized country with 50 separate entities within one country. We're so unique from that standpoint. Um, So it's, it's going to be strange, man. So I did, I did watch a brief video interview. I can't even remember who the two guys were. They were, I think they were national uh, college football writers and the reporter asked them, do you think there'll be a season? And the two of them independently, they're, they're zoomed in their little windows. The two of them independently agreed Oh, uh, the season's going to start, <laughs> uh, but what's going to happen after that? Right, you know? right. Uh, so, so people are like, "Oh, just just call it. There will be no college football." There's just way too many people, in, in, including the people who are at risk, who want it to happen. Right. Um, so, I, I do think they're going to drop the gate and all the horses are going to come out. But I don't know what direction <laughs> they're going to go. Yeah, exactly. Who, know, who knows? Uh, some are going to wander off and. and Choose some grass. Others are going to take off 100 miles an hour. Some are going to trip and fall down. What, what, what if uh, we play a month? What if we play four games? What, what if what if like there's an eight-game schedule? Let's say Virginia Tech plays their eight-game conference schedule, and that's it yeah. for the sake of argument. What if you get through half of them, and, and a lot of players are testing positive, and everybody decides we can't do it anymore? So what if you play half the season in the fall and half the season in the spring? I, who knows, man? Be a lot to talk about. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just so much to – you can't fully grasp it right right now. All right, so Malcolm, how far into it are we now? Hour twenty. Hour twenty. So, did anybody come up with a good grit acronym? <laughs> I've chastised my boy about dead air. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if my mic's working. Oh, uh, you got to make sure it's uh, unmuted. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Are you the sure? Like when you talk, do the meters move? Okay. I can right. hear myself. Okay. <laughs> Sounds quiet. Yeah. All right. So do we have a good grit acronym? Uh, John Holland came up with gets real in the trenches. Oh, I like that. I do like that. You know, we didn't offer a prize. We didn't. I'll, I'll have to think. No, John, we're not sending you our extra grit hat. Crew's going to wear both <laughs> no, of them. no. <laughs> These will, these will go in the TSL Hall of Fame. We're, we're the only people in the world to have grit hats, except at, for the Tech Coach time, even if they're not the real thing. <laughs> That's right. Excellent, though. That's good. That so, is good. Uh, do we have many people on? You got many questions? No questions, but we have 70 viewers. Which is, uh, Have we asked for questions? We haven't even asked for questions. Well, that, goes, that kind of goes without saying. So, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, Okay. Let's, uh, let's take a call one. out for questions. And well, then, Justin, Justin Belcher asked if there are any chances we get a commitment from Donovan McMillan. Seems like a lean toward the Gators. Yeah, yeah I think it's down to Tech in Florida. I sort of doubt Tech will get him. Um, I think he's a, he's a very good prospect, would fit the culture well. I also think Tech is in good shape with their defensive back recruiting, right, now, from what they've done already. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he'd be one of those icing on the cake. Cake is better with icing, but it's also 
can be really good without icing too. So, so one thing we we haven't we didn't talk about during the recruiting discussion, and, and this is uh, I'll throw a question out. Um, Tech took uh, fifteen guys last year. They're only up to thirteen so far this year. Uh, yeah, they're, um, they're going to take a full class, as far as I know. Uh, I guess, but I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with football season, yeah. or if there's no football season, is everybody going to be allowed to come back next year? And in which case, if you sign a full class, you'll need special special permission from the NCAA to go over 85 scholarship players for a year. We could talk about this all day long and not, not come up with anything conclusive. But yeah. let's say there is a football season. All seniors graduate as expected. You know, in that scenario, uh, then the tech signs a full class. Imagine Justice Reed, if there's no football season, and he comes back next year, he's the first eighth-year senior <laughs> in the history of justice is already 24 he'd be 25 next Gosh. year. Gosh, yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway. so anything else uh jay harvey asks any chance the acc is proactive for once or will they follow the lead of the big 10 and sec as usual uh, you know uh if everybody else cancels it then then i don't think there's anything else you can do like even if even if the acc came out right now and said no football. We're proactive. No, I mean let's let's just say we're playing our full schedule. Let's say the ACC came out and said we're playing our full schedule. Doesn't matter, uh, you know. Then what if every other conference in the country says uh, we're not playing non-conference games? It doesn't matter what the ACC says. Yeah. So in this case, I don't, I don't know that like being pro- proactive would even do anything. Uh, it, 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 it. No, you could be proactive and say, oh, we're not playing at all. <laughs> well, they're already following the right. the big the, the Big Ten and, and the Pac twelve have gone first. One way in which the ACC can I wouldn't exactly call this being proactive, but doing something different. Uh, but you know, then again, the Big Ten and the Pac twelve haven't said exactly what they're doing. Correct. They don't know exactly what they're doing. So they may wind up with a five opponents head to head scenario. The, the when when the ACC makes their announcement, which I assume is inevitable that they're only doing conference games, maybe that announcement will be accompanied by, and here's what our scheduling model is going to look like. Which, or, which, or maybe they could be the first conference to announce standardized testing rules for every team in the conference. Maybe something like that. That's if they want to be proactive, that's their opportunity to be right. proactive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of glossed over the Notre Dame thing. They've, they've already lost three teams off their schedule. So – I'm I'm 99.9% sure that whatever ACC scheduling model is is generated, will Notre it Dame. will include Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Uh, uh, and I, you know, some people are like, ah, oh, if we're losing Penn State, just replace them with Notre Dame. If there's not going to be any fans in the stadium this year, and if we replace Penn State on the schedule with, with a home game, if there happened to be a non-conference home game or to replace them, I wouldn't want it to be anybody any good. <laughs> if there's no going to be nobody in the stadium to enjoy it, just play some scrub and get the win, right? As far as that's the way I see it. Um, but I, I think the the home and home model ten game schedule is interesting. I, I think it would it would be very very unique for for college football. Uh, it would save travel costs, which saving money is going to be very very yeah, important very this important year. As we've Any way about. you can find to save money. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Notre Dame's going to be in there some somehow. Who the heck knows how? I really yeah. don't know. Yep. Um, so any others, Malcolm? 
Eric Fisher asks, if there's a five home and away ACC schedule, would you go with pods or does everyone schedule differently? Uh, I guess uh, if you throw Notre Dame in, that's 15 teams, right? Yes, um, but the thing is, it, hmm, if you're playing five other teams, right. and that that's a pod of six schools. Right, right, exactly. So, right. Um, so, you, so, so it's it's uh, an interesting it, question. No, no, there's talk of West Virginia. West Virginia being in the Big Twelve, and they got to fly halfway across the country to most of their games, right? So there is a rumor going around that West Virginia wants to join the ACC for a year and play local games. Uh, sure, I was on vacation last week. Yes, you were. Where you did you hear that one. that one? It was on our boards. Wow. Um, now, and it would make sense if that happened for a year. Well, they could drive to Pitt. They, I don't know if they could drive to Syracuse. Nah. They could drive to Virginia Tech. They could drive to Virginia Tech. Uh, drive they could to drive Duke to UVA. UVA. Yeah. Um, they, they could drive to uh, Notre Dame. Um, so if you added West Virginia to get to uh, West Virginia and Notre Dame 16. to get to 16 teams – at East Carolina. ECU would love that. Right, right. Add right. at, at East Carolina and uh, uh well, Apple, who, who's Apple an Na- Navy? Apple, well or I don't well, are there B- any I think, I think, anymore? B- I think BYU's still independent. Yeah, but they're way over there. But it, I d I don't know. But but anyway. Maybe you could add uh Central Apple, Florida Appalachian to play State. the southernmost teams. Appalachian State. Appalachian man. State yeah. would make sense. Right um, there in Boone. Yeah. So uh I don't know. Yeah, if if you want to play, if you put them into pods, and you had to have six teams per pod, so you can play each up and play five each. But then, how do you decide the ACC championship game if there is an ACC championship game? Uh, yeah. See, most most pod models have sixteen team conference with four pods of four. I think you know. Right. So anyway, it's a good question. We don't have the answer. Yeah, we don't have the answer to any of this. But That's it did lead to some fun, fun speculation about, about yeah. West Virginia and East Carolina and Appalachian oh, man, State. Uh, dude, honestly. I would love to play West Virginia every year. And as we talked about earlier, the the NCAA is like, eh, we won't get in your I, way. I, I got to be honest with you that that era of Virginia Tech football, when UVA was absolutely terrible and Virginia Tech wasn't playing West Virginia, is probably we won ten games a lot of those years. Yeah. We had some good teams. You're talking but, about the early mid two thousand. But as, as, yeah, as far as pure passion goes, once we quit playing West Virginia, and once Virginia started to royally stink every year. So after 2005, basically, that, that, it got kind of boring. Man. Well, the, the Big East, the, you know. The, you know, the Tech's offense stunk, and, and Virginia stunk, and we weren't playing West Virginia. Hmm. Right? It's like we had – so we had no – I know. N- the, you, you didn't – yeah, you hated UVA, but you, you laughed at them actually more than you hated them. And, and, Duke, and was, Duke wasn't any good. UNC wasn't any good. Right. It, and you weren't getting to play NC State a lot. Right. Or Clemson or Florida State. Louisville wasn't in the conference. Right. So I, I actually very much welcome a regionalized scheduling right. model, uh, especially if somebody like West Virginia. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I think West Virginia should, shouldn't be in the Big 
12 anyway. No. I, and I, I know how it all worked out for them, and I actually I feel bad for them from that standpoint because they shouldn't be in that league. They should be in the ACC. Boston College should be somewhere else, and, and West Virginia should be in Boston the Boston College, I expect, is getting to the point financially where they, they, they're not going to be able to compete at the Power 5 level. So you think they're uh, hiking their skirt up to the Patriot League maybe going, how are you doing? Hey, well, they can dominate the Patriot League, buddy. But, <laughs> well, for a while. And, I, and I'm making fun of them, and Tech lost to them last year. But when you talk about <laughs> – when you talk when you talk about long term uh what makes sense yeah long term foundations like i don't know how they can financially support all those sports long term yeah I, so and, i saw a list of somebody linked a list on our message board the other day when stanford cut 11 of 40 sports 36, 36 yeah. cut 11 of 36 sports somebody linked a, a page to the message board which lists the uh, it, it ranks all the Division One schools by number of sports, yeah. and Harvard is first with forty, and Stanford is pretty close to the top. Mm-hmm. You go down that list and you hit Boston College, uh, out of three hundred and fifty schools, they are something like between fifteenth and twentieth in yeah. terms of number of sports. When you talk about who's going to be the first Power Five team to cut sports, well, it was Stanford. Who's going to be the second? Maybe Boston College. I think they're I, as I, good a candidate as anybody. Mm. Um, and they're so far away, man. Why should they have to travel their softball team all the way south to Virginia Tech? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, and one of the reasons I think Stanford dropped sports, and you could kind of read it in their press release, is again, they got so many sports like squash, and there, there are so few teams that play sports like that that after – we finish with our coronavirus meltdown and we see all the fallout. Is there going to be any squash teams left for Stanford to play? Right. So they're, they're being proactive from that. Six, six of the sports that they cut do not even have championship NCAA sponsored championships. You cannot win a national championship in six of the sports that they sponsor. Right. Um, And Oh, by the way, Stanford has, um, I knew they'd won a lot of director's cups. I didn't win all of them. It was 25 in a row. Yeah. Um, now, they're good, but they also have squashed the competition in terms of, of number. They hit you with quality and quantity. Yeah, they they, yeah. they they score points in more sports than anybody else does, and, right. and that clearly that's been part of their success. Yep. Yeah. But uh, Well, Eric sent us on a uh, Yeah, he did. Tangent. Got anything else, Malcolm? Uh, have, it's more of a statement from okay. Truett Dolan. He says, I've heard the home-and-home home model would have the ACC having three groups of five teams. VT would be VT, UVA, UNC, uh, NC State, and Duke. Then one game against the team from each of the other groups. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. We, we, we kind of uh, – if you, if you do three pods of five teams, then that's eight games with – eight home-and-home home games within your pod, and then, yeah, two others. You know, being – it's such a big – Well, no, he's saying – yeah, two others. One, one, okay. It's such a big conference geographically, stretching all the way from uh, Boston all the way down to Miami, and then how far west it juts these days, adding Louisville, yeah. and I Notre Dame <clears throat> maybe would be in this model, right? And uh, so, like, for Virginia Tech, that's ideal because we're right in the middle. Yeah. Like, there's so many schools that we could bust to that are, that are in this league. Um, but if you're Boston College. Miami, Syracuse. Notre right. Dame. I mean, Notre Dame, Louisville. I mean. So part of the discussion I'll bet that's occurring is, uh, sure, that pod's great for Virginia Tech. They can bus everywhere, but I'm Notre Dame. I got to fly everywhere. Who's going to help pay for that? Right, right, right. And Boston College, Boston College, you're screwed no matter what pod you're in. 
I mean, so, I mean, I don't know how long Boston College is to Syracuse, but I imagine you can't bus there. I mean, probably you, not. You no. Technically, you could. You could bus anywhere. Technically, Virginia Tech, <laughs> Virginia Tech in the old Metro days would bus to to New Orleans to play baseball, oh, to play gosh. Tulane in baseball, oh, and on the way back they'd stop by Mississippi State and play them. Four to a room at the Super Eight, right? You know, Willie, the light on for right. It. So like, uh, or Motel Six, whichever one it is. So do you go back to that model? Or do you just say, you know what, we're not going to do this at all. We're just going to do regionalized scheduling. No, 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 no. Don't don't That's skip all. over this. I want to <laughs> I want to remind everybody that it, that if this comes to play out, that I was ahead of the curve here. Part of it might be that that the ACC, if they go to this pod scheduling model to reduce travel costs, will reimburse those schools that have to fly more. Right. That that may be part of the discussion that's be. going on. Yep. All right. Anybody else, Malcolm? We're we're probably up on hour and forty now. That's going to be one long video, man. (laughs) All right. Okay, we do need to shut it down. Yeah, we do. Appreciate it. So let's see. We got, uh, um, what is today, the 14th? The 14th. So this, I'm going on vacation. You might go on vacation again or not. I'll probably do something at the end of July. This might be our last podcast. Probably will be our last podcast before August. And I, th- I think they're going to make some kind of announcement towards the yeah. end of July about whether they plan to try to have a season right. or, or not. So this will probably be our last podcast until then. Yeah, so we'll pull uh, – so Nick Brown will be back by then. Uh, so we'll pull him in to host one. Uh, Evan – Evan's not going to be back till like August 22nd. Evan's living the dream watching live sports <laughs> in person in Minnesota. Not many people are doing that. <laughs> All right, so appreciate it, everybody. Thanks to the Fisher Law Firm for sponsoring the Tech Sideline Podcast. This has been episode 130, July 14th, 2020. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Oh, I'm supposed to look over there. Thanks for listening and watching. (laughs) 